This episode of Being Freelance is supported by AXA Business Insurance. Because let's face it, running a business by yourself is hard. So hooray for AXA making something easy. You can tailor your policy to fit your business so you only pay for what you actually need. And they give you access to a legal and tax helpline there should you need it. Get cover for your work, your tools, your reputation. It feels better being protected, being freelance. Work hard, insure easy. Search AXA Business Insurance. And here's the grown-up bit. AXA Insurance UK PLC is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For sound designer, David Jeffers. I'm actually a quadriplegic. Being a freelance, being able to work at home, set my own schedule, it, it takes the stress factor of having to show up down, which is a big deal for me. I think my success as a freelancer has come from anything I do, I try to do my best. I know that kind of sounds cliche, but I really just like, if I'm doing something for somebody, I like to go all out. I think just being a good, honest person is what has got me where I'm at in the freelance. Being negative definitely doesn't help. It just makes a bad situation that much worse. So don't get me wrong, you know, I do have my down moments and stuff, but just overall, I try to keep it on the up. Because once you start slipping, I feel like everything gets worse. So there's David, his story kicking off season 18 of the Being Freelance podcast. By the time this is over, it'll nearly be Christmas and it'll nearly be episode 300. That's how far we've come. Uh, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Loads of great stories to hear. Remember, it's it's all about the being freelance. It doesn't matter, you know, sound designer or podcast producer, graphic designer, copywriter, uh, IT consultant. Like It doesn't matter what they do for a living. It's all about the being freelance. So if you're ever digging back through the back catalogue, and lots of people have. In fact, have you seen there's a blog post at beingfreelance.com from Louisa who over the past year when she discovered the Being Freelance podcast has listened to every single episode. That's over 270. And she wrote a blog post and sent it to me uh, of the things that she's learned. Loved it. So I put it up on the website. Go take a look, beingfreelance.com in the blog. But yes, if you do enjoy this, hey, you don't have to write a blog post, <laughs> marvellous as it is. You could do me a favour though, and that is to leave a review. That particularly makes a difference when podcasts relaunch for a new season because it shows the, uh, you know, the podcast powers that be that people like this podcast right so if you've not left a review before but you do enjoy the being freelance podcast please do think about doing that and remember you're not alone being freelance come join us in the community there's a link at beingfreelance.com okay let's crack on chat to this week's guest and that is freelance sound designer based in charlotte north carolina david jeffers hey david hey how's it going oh i am good as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance well, okay. Um, actually, my first freelance was not doing sound design. It was doing uh, technical writing, like updating manuals, because um, I actually went to college for mechanical engineering. So in 2011, crazy enough, I actually broke my neck. I'm actually a quadriplegic. So after you know, years of rehab and stuff. I wanted to get back working. And um, I just kind of put the word out to some of my old colleagues that I was looking to do work. And it just so happened, a friend of mine was like, hey, 
we've got this project going on trying to update some manuals. Do you want to give it a try? I said, sure. And it really just started from there, kind of like a word of mouth type of thing. Maybe we should point out for those who don't know what quadriplegic means. Basically, quadriplegic means you have some sort of paralysis within four of your limbs. And I am actually paralyzed about um, chest level down, which for me means I do have some use of my arms, um, but I don't have any triceps and I really don't have any true hand or finger function. I can feel things below my chest, kind of, but I have like zero movement there. Do you mind if I ask what the accident was? It was actually, we went on our first, like, I want to say real adult family vacation to the beach. It was day one of official vacation. It was a Monday and we had been out on the beach all day, came back, we had dinner and stuff. And my son, Jackson, he was two at the time. He wanted to go back out to the beach and I'm like, sure it's vacation and uh basically the tide was coming in i was probably one of the only people out in the water and i dove you know how when a big wave is coming you can kind of dive through it so you don't get knocked over Mm. well i was trying to dive through it and apparently i dove right over where there was a sandbar so it went from being like waist deep to like really shallow and uh, i hit my head and, and broke my neck Um, on the beach holy heck yep just like that just like that yeah i I knew i was paralyzed and i remember being in the water thinking like please don't let me drown that seems like a terrible way to go um (laughs) and luckily my nephew was around and uh i got his attention he actually thought i was joking at first and but he was able to pull me out and next thing you know the airlift was coming and i was headed to the hospital it was just crazy. And so how many years of like, I guess, rehabilitation? It's been 11 years since my accident. Uh, when I got hurt, you know, I was in the hospital for like four months straight. And then when you get out of there, you know, I've been doing outpatient, you know, really off and on since then. I mean, I, I can't almost really begin to imagine. But like, where's your mind at at that point? That day on the beach, uh, I told my wife, I I was apologizing profusely, saying, I am sorry, I have ruined our lives. And she was like, no, you know, thinking, you'll be fine. You're going to go to the hospital and this paralysis thing is going to go away. But something told me, like, no, this is it. And, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it from the beginning. I mean, I've always been a positive person. And then one thing I realized kind of like watching people, other people in rehab, being negative definitely doesn't help. You know, Mm. it just makes a bad situation that much worse. So don't get me wrong. You know, I do have my down moments and stuff, but just overall, I try to keep it on the up because once you start slipping, I feel like everything gets worse, including your health, you know? Yeah. yeah. In that rehab situation, is there like... I don't know, some kind of community like where you get to know other people going through a similar sort of thing. Oh, yeah. That's that's like the best part about it. I went to uh, Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and they have a spinal cord injury program that it's phenomenal. You know, you're around other people that are injured all day. 
Um, they have support groups, lots of physical and OT therapy. And one good thing they have is um, therapeutic recreation where, you know, they teach you to get back out into life. They teach you how to like, you know, go to the movies, take your kids places, ride the bus, do activities, because it's all new once you've been paralyzed. It's a whole new world. So they focus on getting you back living where as when I first got hurt where I was at, it was all medical. It was like, okay, get you healthy, go home. None of the, none of the, well, I shouldn't say extra, but none of the other life stuff. Yeah. If I didn't go there, I would not be as good off as I am now. No question. Does that now help you sort of, uh, I know, embrace the like a, a freelance community are you do, do you know other freelancers uh in that respect um as far as other uh um people that have been injured that do freelance is that what you're asking well it wasn't but actually that's a better question <laughs> do you know others yeah there's a few and, and that's the good thing about getting in a network and just you know whether it's like a facebook community because you see like oh this guy is doing this he's doing that you know, I could be doing that or, you know, it gives you inspiration to do things. Like uh, there's one guy, he has a company called um, Abilities, I think is the name. And he does 3D printed um, devices that that help you out. Um, assistive technology is what it's called. And, you know, I, I've always wanted to do that. And I was like, how can I do it? And then I see this guy sitting there doing it. So it just shows you a lot of different possibilities and then you can kind of network with people. So yeah, it's it's a big help. So it was it was a friend who comes to you and say, "Could you do this writing gig?" Yep. And how did things sort of progress from there? I did that for maybe two years, and to be quite honest, I hated that type of work. But you know, it was decent money. It was something that I could do from home while I was still trying to heal up from my accident. So it served its purpose. But like I said, it wasn't the most enjoyable i guess now you're probably like how did he get in the sound design is what you're thinking huh (laughs) okay so how did the sound design come about so uh i have a friend um my best friend since seventh grade he has a motion design company based out of la and one day he comes to me he was like man you know we used to do music production back in the day and I know you know your way around music and with your technical background, I really think you could figure out how to do sound design. Um, We're actually struggling to get sound designers right now. Give it a shot, man. And if you like it and you can do it, then we'll go from there. And that's really how it happened. They they gave me a couple of little projects just to try out and they kind of mentored me, you know, kind of showed me some of the do's and don'ts. I just loved it, and it took off from there. Man, that's the kind of friend you want. Oh, yeah. But but then you obviously had a flair for it. So how did it take off from there? A lot of it was repeat stuff for them. Like, for example, um, they wanted to do a pitch for the Paralympics. So that was one of the first projects they kind of mentored me on, and we worked on it. And um, trying to figure out, I don't think they actually submitted that version. They decided to hold off. And they did a new version, which was like crazy. And they said, look, all right, here you go. I want you to do the sound design for this. And um, I probably had 
maybe six months of experience at that point. And um, on the technical side of it, I'm actually doing all this on my iPad. I have no other equipment at this point. But long story short, I did that sound design and I actually won sound design of the year through um, this one company. So once that happened, I was like, oh my God, I, I really can't do this. So That's amazing. So they submitted it for, for an award. Yeah, and I had no clue. So like months and months later, uh, I get hit up and was like, hey, you've won sound design of the year. And I'm like, what is this? Like, is this serious? So <laughs> That's so cool. Did you monopolize or monopolize? Is that the right word? Did you make the most of that? You know what? And this is a live and learn moment. I did not. Because when the award came back, it was actually mislabeled. The award place actually put uh, my friend's business name on there, which is BN, instead of giving me the sound design credit under my business, which is uh, Quadraphonic Sound. So we tried to get it changed and it drug out, drug out. It never got changed. So I've actually never posted that anywhere which now that i have a little more time on my hands i want to go back and update some things and i'm just going to put it out there as is for sure you mentioned them a business name at what point did you start using a business name you know like given that you sort of started this by testing the water trying things out yep actually and like i gotta thank my friend again um their company bn their whole thing is uh, about inclusivity. And it's not just something cool to say to get jobs. Like their whole background is based on it. And they're actually developing this thing that they call in mode D, which is um, inclusive motion design, where, you know, they hire a totally inclusive staff. And they're also working on concepts of how it uh, cascades through their work and all this good stuff. But the one thing I really like about them is they function like an incubator. So like if you're, let's say, like an illustrator or something with them, they'll pull you in and let you be like the producer on a job. They'll kind of teach you all the ins and outs and different aspects of the job, no matter what your function is, if that makes sense. So one day they approached me and they said, hey, we want to help develop your business. We think you're really good at it. and you could do work for anybody. So they actually, we went through a process of setting up my whole business, helping me develop my website, brainstorming to come up with the name of the company and everything. Man, that is so good. There are good people out there. Yeah, they really are. It also makes it sound like you got a taster of not just, you know, your own skills of sound design, but of business skills as well. Yep developing your brand and all the stuff that kind of goes behind that. So what did you then do with those newfound skills? Um, I was able to actually get the website set up, get my Instagram set up. And so far, I don't necessarily think my Instagram has translated to additional work, but you know, I've been able to make connections through there. And also just by following people that do what I do, you know, I've actually learned a lot and really just it's kind of helped me hone my skills. So when I get to the point where I want to branch out and and get different jobs, I think I'll have the connections there to really have an audience per se. Just to put things in perspective, when did you first start doing 
sound design and and become quadraphonic? Uh, around two years ago. So you were an engineer, but presumably before your injury, you were doing other things to do with sound and music as well. If if the connection to be made later on uh, down the line is, oh, I know who'd be good at music, David. Yeah. So uh, me and my friend Ricardo, we actually had like um, a production company back in high school where we made beats and stuff for people and we actually were in a um, sound class where we learned audio engineering in high school. So we were actually like pretty decent audio engineers. So, you know, back in the 90s, you know, there was a lot of people doing rap and stuff. And we ended up kind of getting involved doing engineering and doing music for like a lot of older guys, actually. And so that's where I got my main music experience was back in high school, uh, producing and engineering for people as a teenager. So fast forward, um, I guess I had to be realistic or whatever. And I ended up going to North Carolina A&T for mechanical engineering. I graduate, I found myself working for Ford Motor Company. And my friend Ricardo out of the blue hits me up. He's like, man, you know what? We need to be doing music again. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I think you're right. And then <laughs> it just went from there. Um, and that's kind of where like the the online freelance thing kind of began because he was actually in Ecuador. I was in Detroit, Michigan when we decided to do this label. So we like to say we created the first online record label. I don't know if that's technically true or not. But, <laughs> but you like to say it. We like to say it. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, we, we did this record label and, you know, we actually focused on making it international. We did like a compilation album where we had guys from Italy, Canada, all across the United States. So it really kind of introduced us to the idea like, man, we can have people working from everywhere. You know, what year was that? That started around 2001. And kind of went to, I guess, around 2006, maybe. So you were doing that on the side of working for Ford? Yep. Ah, it's interesting. So it goes to show that even like back then, there's this kind of, I don't know, well, there's obviously the skill in audio for a start, but then there's there's also that, I guess, a business sense as well. Yeah, definitely. Because a lot of my portion, you know, there was a creative side, but it was also, you know, logistics and shipping and packing all the unglamorous stuff, but hey, that's business. Um, so yeah, just being able to hone those skills and get it done in my non-work hours and keep it hidden during my work hours, you know? <laughs> Back with David's story in a moment, but I just want to let you know that this episode is also supported by my course, How to Get Started Being Freelance. The clue's in the title, really, but if you're new to freelancing, thinking of going freelance, maybe even a freelancer in your first year wondering if you're doing it right, this course is for you. It's not just my experience, it's the experience of nearly 300 freelancers that I've spoken to over the years, and we've got your back. 
everything from starting up and looking professional as a business, accounting software, best practices from invoicing to tax, different ways to market yourself so that you find clients and even better, they find you. Ways to deal with work-life balance, being organised, proposals, contracts, retainers, it's all in there and it's all ready and waiting for you to learn when you need it. So please do take a look and if you're an experienced freelancer already, you will know how tricky it is to get started. So if you know someone who's in that place where they could do with the help, please do point them in its direction. You can click on the word course at beingfreelance.com to find out more. All right then, let's get back into David's story. So back to Quadraphonic, you're working regularly with BN. Have you also been approaching other companies for work? Um, Through meeting people, not necessarily doing like a hard approach asking for work, but really just like, for example, I got hooked up with a mentor from another sound design company and he's been like a great teacher and he's actually kind of thrown me some jobs here and there. And then honestly, I haven't really pushed out to get more work from a lot of companies just because I'm so new. I've really been trying to hone my skills so that when I do step out, you know, I'm bringing my A game and I'm not having um, mistakes or issues outside the family per se, you know, like be in, they're totally aware that I'm new. So if we have issues, it's no pressure to work through it with them. But I feel like if I was going to an outside company, then there could be issues there. And I'm just really trying to avoid that. And I've been lucky enough that BN's been providing me with enough projects that I have the luxury to do it that way. And I know most people don't have that luxury. Hmm. Um, I mean, what what does the project sort of look like for you? Like, is it quite a quick turnaround? Like, how, how does it fit in within um, within your life? The way they do it, I get pulled in to the project a little bit earlier than some sound designers would. Um, I get to see it in the early animation phase. So it's kind of like a soft start for maybe like a month. And I'm just kind of watching how it develops. And then sound design is like the last thing that comes in. And a lot of times on a sound design job, you'll find out at the last minute and you got to get it all done. And you're like, hurry up and catch up type of deal. Um, so as far as fitting into my life, it kind of gets tough because when you get a deadline, you kind of know the deadline, but nine times out of 10, there's iterations that the timing isn't fully accounted for. So I just have to be prepared to hustle, squeeze and, and push and stretch and get the time from somewhere, if that makes sense. Um, so I find myself around due dates, ending up like work, doing a lot of night work. Um, since they're on the West Coast, you know, I can keep working in tonight and still be on their schedule. So that's actually really been helpful being on the opposite coast. Uh, of course, yeah. So actually, that's that's a point in itself. It, all of this is done remotely. Every bit of it. Um, and also uh, at BN, they have people working all over the world. So it's constantly moving. You know, everybody kind of knows each other. You know, we get on Zooms together. So it's been really cool just to meet people all over the world, you know, working for a similar cause. And I noticed as well, must have been on your website. I think you say that you're a disabilities advocate and consultant as well. 
Yeah. So I guess that's another strand to your freelance income. Yeah. Um, and that's something that, again, I've really solely have done for BN. And now uh, my next phase of that is I want to get ADA. Uh, they have different certifications. And if you don't know, ADA is the American Disabilities Act. Um, I do want to get certified so I can branch out and help other companies make sure whether it's their products, their building location, you know, anything that interfaces with the public is ADA compliant. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How does being freelance fit around your home life, like when it comes to like work-life balance? Um, actually, for me, it's it's been a lifesaver. I mean, it does get tough at times trying to coordinate, but being freelance has allowed me to work from home so that um, it works with my medical care schedule as well as I can be flexible, you know, to work with my kids. Cause early on uh, in my accident, you know, my kids were not in school and, you know, my wife was the only person making money. So it allowed me to stay home with the kids the best I could and allow her to work. And also, um, you know, like every other day I have to have a nurse come in and do some medical stuff in the morning, which if I was going to an office, it just wouldn't work out. Another example is, you know, with this accident, there's moments where my pain level or, uh, you know, being so tired from whatever reason, I literally can't work. So if I have an episode like that during the day, it allows me to flex my schedule and maybe do the work at night or do it at a different time. So it's been great for me. Yeah, so it's actually more like if being freelance wasn't that option, you probably wouldn't be working? Probably not. Or it would be like a a weird part-time deal that the stress of actually getting into work or whatever Mm. would probably outweigh the benefits. You know, being freelance, being able to work at home, set my own schedule, it, it takes the stress factor of having to show up down which is a big deal for me yeah and at the moment you know you've clearly got a very understanding client who like embraces that and like have you thought about how you communicate the way you work to future clients uh yeah and you know to be honest that's part of the reason i haven't branched out i'm a little bit nervous about how that's going to play out. Um, although I've only had one incident where it's actually hindered me making a deadline. So I'm probably worrying about it a little too much. But yeah, I'm not sure if I should just, you know, come in and say, hey, I have this condition, da da da, or just show up for the job just like anybody else and make it work. And that's kind of what I'm leaning toward. Yeah, totally. The thing is, is that you wear your story on your sleeve, you know, like it's in your the, the name Quadraphonic. Right. You go to your website and it tells, you know, it's inspiring your story. And the fact that you do killer sound design um, uh, is is part of that. So, yeah, I I think go for it. Uh, not for you asking me what I think, but... but well, uh, I- Actually, you know, I kind of am because, you know, when you asked me to do this podcast, I was kind of like, man, I don't know. You know, I'm kind of green. You know, what can I bring to the table? But then I thought about it like everybody's green at one point 
and and hearing somebody in that position may be helpful to somebody else. So I said, let's go for it. Honestly, I appreciate the struggle we went through to get here today because it kind of gave me insight like, oh, you know, he's a family guy, you know, and I appreciated your understanding of, you know, me having to cancel and stuff. So it just, you know, this is something I do to myself. I'm like, man, I can't, I can't cancel on this guy. I got to look extra on top of it because I think I feel the pressure like because I I am disabled. I don't want anybody to see any hiccups. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just good kind of breaking down that thing. And I just felt so much more relaxed actually coming in to record today. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is that we all have hiccups in our lives. Yep, you're right. Um, For me, it's usually my kids. (laughs) lovely hiccups as they are but but yeah and that's often what we talk about on the doing it for the kids podcast is that how how much you kind of feel like you should show to your clients i guess Uh um because you you know you want to come across as professional but equally it's part of life yeah and i reckon go for it with the you know you've got some awesome clients uh videos that you've done and yeah they might be through in your eyes it might be through one client Mm-hmm. Uh, BN, but the actual end products are for various different people of these hugely high calibers, and yeah. um, and demonstrate this work, the work ethic, and as as you say, the fact is you show up and do the work. You know that's what's so cool about you know working at BN is the opportunity to work for these big name clients, and that you know they actually entrust this in me. And uh, my friend told me the other day, he was like, "Man, I'm gonna tell you the truth." I never select you for projects. And I'm like, what? He was like, no, I leave it totally up to the producer because he was like, I don't want anybody to think there's any favoritism here. So if you get picked for a job, it's because they feel like you earned it and you can do it. It has nothing to do with me. And that was so great. He told me that because, you know, like, I guess you just kind of doubt yourself. So in the back of the mind, I'm like, are they giving me these jobs because Ricardo's my homeboy? You know what I mean? Yeah. So getting that validation was such a big deal, such a boost in my confidence. Sometimes I get asked, you know, like what makes a great freelancer? And it, I, I might throw words out there like, you know, having resilience, tenacity, optimism, because we really have to be optimistic, I think, <laughs> to think that the work's right. going to come. Um, but, you know, it sounds like you must have those traits in spades frankly, to, you know, like to see the positive and to make whatever fight you had to do after your accident? Yeah, yeah. For me, I think my success as a freelancer has come from anything I do, I try to do my best. I know that kind of sounds cliche, but I really just like, if I'm doing something for somebody, I like to go all out. And I think just being a, a good, honest person is what has got me where I'm at in the freelance. Basically, because not to brag on myself, but any job, except for maybe this grocery store job I had in high school, I could go back to today. You know what I mean? Just Mm. because they know that if I'm going to work on something, I'm going to give it my all and make sure it gets done. So I think that's why people have given me opportunities that they might not risk on somebody else. Yeah. How did you go about that? I know you said you um you had support from within BN when you were setting up your website and things like that. But can you can you remember like what the the process or what your thinking was as to how you were going building your quadraphonic brand? Because it is a 
it's a really lovely site and it's a lovely brand. I love it. Like I said, again, BN was a great support in doing that. But I think now there's so many tools out there to help you build your website and build your brand. My wife, for example, she is actually a marriage and family therapist, which is basically freelance when you think about it. She does work for a company, but she basically works for each of her clients, if you think about it. So we had to go through and make up her whole personal website on her own. And it was just nice to find out like a lot of these companies like uh, Wix and different things help you build your brand right there online. There's plenty of resources on YouTube. Um, sometimes it can be overwhelming because it's a lot of information, but I think everything you need is accessible to everybody these days. So it's very helpful. Actually, so, so that must help. The You know, like the fact that you're both self-employed, do you think that helps? Yeah, uh, it, it really wouldn't work any other way because, you know, sometimes there's issues that happen with me during the day that if she couldn't set up her schedule, she wouldn't be able to help me or, you know, like with the kids' schedules, you know, juggling around because, you know, it took me five years after my accident to be able to drive again. So in the beginning, it was up to her to get the kids everywhere. So she had to be flexible. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really saved us on both ends. How old are your kids now then? They are 10 and 13. I have two boys. Uh, awesome. Are you someone who sets goals? You know, like, do you have plans ahead? Yep. Um, I think in the beginning, I was kind of slack with that. And I and I definitely noticed myself kind of stagnating. So just recently, I've started setting more concrete goals and more like global goals to push my overall career. Because I also do music production, which I hope I can get hired to do that along with my sound design in the future. So like a specific goal I have for that is to produce one song a week. So that way I can start building a catalog. And my other goal is to, I don't want to get into all the detail, but like a different type of production style that's good for like explainer videos. I want to set a goal for how many of those I want to produce. So that way I can just start building a catalog. And that's a good example of some of the goals that I've set up recently. Nice. So it's, you're like creating the work that you, you want to be doing. Right. Yep. What about when it comes to sort of dealing with that whole kind of, uh, I guess, business or pricing side of being freelance? To me, hands down, that's the toughest part. Trying to understand how to quote jobs and all of that. I'm going to be honest. I hate it. <laughs> for me, that's still a learning process for sure. Um, I actually just reached out to another sound designer that um, I actually met through BN who did a similar job that I did recently. So um, we're going to meet and he's going to walk me through how he did the quote so I can see like what I could do better and just learn from somebody who's been doing it for years. It's, it's a thing in itself to reach out like that, though. I love that. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about the sound design industry, I guess, because there's not a ton of us. It seems to be like a real cool vibe. Like it's no, ah, oh man, I'm not telling you this. I don't want you getting my job. So far, everybody that I've ran to are like so willing to help and teach. It's been great. But yeah, I mean, if I could just do the creative part and not do the business, 
I definitely would do that. But then mm. on the other hand, I do like knowing every bit about the business too. So it makes me be able to plan better, make the whole thing come together. Like I, I, I would never want to neglect the business side totally. David, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I would say go for it and just remember that there's multiple ways to get things done. And that's just something that was hard for me in the beginning, realizing that, hey, just because you can't do it like you used to do it, realizing that there is typically, usually another way. You just got to figure it out. So just remember to be open and and look for alternatives. Nice. David, it's been so good talking to you. Go to beingfreelance.com. There'll be links through so that you can find uh, David online. Check out Quadraphonic and what he's up to. I think we should put a link to BN on there as well because they sound like uh, they're... Uh, yeah, they're, definitely. Yeah, I'll get that link from you and we'll put that on there as well. But for now, David, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so there's David. And <laughs> this is the first one that I've recorded for this next season of Being Freelance. And I was so out of practice that, as you may have noticed, I totally forgot. Unbelievably, after eight years of doing this and doing it every time, I totally forgot to ask the three truths and a lie. <laughs> it only occurred to me when I then recorded another episode. Um, so yeah sorry David listen if you listening to this David and you had three amazing stories ready to go and were gutted that I didn't ask you then let me know and I'll get you back on maybe I can re-edit uh, this episode and, and, uh, and share them with people so sorry about that um, but so lovely chatting to him as well do check out all of our guests at beingfreelance.com and remember to reach out to them as well if you've enjoyed this please think about leaving a review and you can support being freelance if it makes a difference to your career uh, by going to beingfreelance.com slash coffee and topping up my virtual biscuit tin all right i'll see you soon for another one i'll see you even sooner in the community if you're hanging out there in the meantime have a great week being freelance <laughs>